It's not getting it, getting it. Welcome everybody out there in podcast land. The good times of good people company proudly presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. You can search for the Law Party Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and YouTube. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and tweet us on Twitter. Uh, good. Now that you've received your invitation, join us. Uh, grab a cocktail, light up a cigar, or whatever you like to smoke. And be sure to tell a friend, and welcome to the party. Uh, I'm your host and moderator, Rio, and let's introduce today's panel. So we have got our returning champions, uh, Chris O'Connor. He's co-owner of Liquid 9 Broadcast Media Production. And Dave Elliott. Uh, we like to call him Big Dave. He's the owner of CMP Construction. And of course, the anonymous female, because she doesn't want you to know her name. And uh, today we're going to be talking about, uh, I can't feel my face, uh, America's obsession with the depressed pop star. Um, I got to thinking about this topic um, because of, recently anyway, uh, Kanye West um, having to be hospitalized. Uh, And it got me to thinking about the line between kind of genius and insanity and how fragile it is and uh and over the years how many uh you know pop and rock stars that we've had that you know we've felt were you know genius and genre redefining and you know and they wind up either you know having to be you know hospitalized or or worse you know they uh you know either, you know, killed themselves or drug overdoses. And um, so that's kind of where I started um, with this idea. But it also got me thinking about other current pop stars that aren't necessarily, uh, I guess, like we haven't seen them be like clinically depressed, but their music is so kind of emo that it makes me wonder you know, uh, what they're, you know, dealing with, you know. Um, so I passed out a few things to everybody um, out there in podcast land. Of course, you can't see them. But one, um, and we'll kind of touch on all these things on some level. One is uh, 58 songs about addiction, dependency, getting sober, and recovery. Uh, one is, of course, about uh, Kanye uh finally back home uh, after checking himself at a hospital. One is uh, the top 80, 80 songs about depression and, and what inspired them. And I thought that was interesting. Um, a list of pop musicians that uh, have died of drug overdose. And uh, one thing is 15 best songs about drugs. And uh, the last thing is which, of course, is really the topic. How comfortable should we be listening to artists destroy themselves? So, uh, who, wants to, who wants to jump in there first? Because uh, like, I can definitely, like I say, I think Kanye, right up front, is probably the artist that I've been worried about the most because uh, his behavior over the past few years... Even even when I could understand it or uh, defend it, 
you know, I, I, it was still, I still felt it was erratic. But, you know, maybe the points he was making in his erratic behavior or his, or his rants, a lot of people just like to call him. Um, like, I can understand the points, and he's making a good point. But the way he's doing it, or has been doing it for the past couple of years, is it's kind of giving me pause that I wonder if something actually kind of wrong with that guy. And, uh, in his new album, Life of Pablo, there's one song where he actually mentions um, that he has, that he mentions something about him taking Lexapro. And I know Lexapro is a drug uh, for uh, bipolar disorder. And as is its common use, um, so it's also just an antidepressant. Know, a lot of people yeah. take it as just a common antidepressant. Yeah, but which you know, which kind of you know leads back to the topic. It's just you know these artists that they they're brilliant in so many ways, but you know, like are we as the consuming public kind of buying into and to some degrees. Uh, Kind of helping them propagate that that depression because they give us brilliance back, you know. I think a lot of the problem with the people like Kanye is that they don't live in a real world. They live. They live, Their world is totally this this unreal universe of music and the Kardashians and shows and. Everything coming at them that they start to lose some touch with what reality is. I think more than anything, that's what gets a lot of these people, and they are gifted. They have been given a talent, and it, I'm sure we all know people with artistic minds that they they think much differently than they than we do. They see things much differently than we do. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're they they're they're a little bit skewed a different way. Then more, you know, I'm construction guy, business guy. I'm pretty common sense. Fact, fact, fact. Go, go, go. Logic, logic, logic. You know, I don't get too far out there. Yeah. Um, where I think these people do, and I think that's where it starts to trail off. And I also think a lot of these drugs that they go see a doctor for, say, hey, you know, I'm kind of screwy. Give me a drug. Well, a lot of these drugs have a lot of problems with them. And then they give them one drug for another problem and creates the next problem, which gives them the next drug and creates the next problem. Next time, though, there's, it's psychopathic. Well, I think, it, I think you know, kind of to your point, I don't really necessarily know that Kardashians have anything to do, in his case, I'm sure. But, like, look at Jim Morrison. I mean, he, it, when you live in a life where you open your mouth and anything you ask for is given to you, it you do kind of lose touch with reality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whether you wind up on drugs or not, it's, you know, I remember a few years ago when everybody was talking about, you know, Justin Bieber and he was, he was off the rails and, you know, and I, I just posed to a friend of mine, <clears throat> I said, uh, you know, he's 20 years old and he has a hundred million dollars. He's, he is responsible for, you know, dozens of adults Lives, but, you but, know, and, and the money that well, they make to feed them, right? And, but he was twenty years old, well, and which is, I guess, what I'm saying is, if you were twenty you're, with a hundred million ball. dollars, you're off the track. Yeah, you're going to go off the track. Your brain has not got it all going on yet. It yeah. doesn't. Yeah, you haven't had your ass kicked enough times. Then he got his ass kicked, didn't he? Yeah, it was a spanking. <laughs> 
Go ahead. Cut, <laughs> I, 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 I see your brain turning, Chris. Yeah, I, I would I would buy into this argument a lot more if I didn't know a hundred people who are not famous at all who have the same drug problems and everything else. Yeah, well, so I, I just I, I wonder if I under the premise that it's money or fame or these things that make people turn to drugs. I think it's drug users who happen to stumble upon fame, which is great. Um, but I'm fairly certain that when Jim Morrison was a poor guy, you know, bumming around L.A., that he was still doing his fair share of drugs. You know, I, I think I would agree with you on that one. You know, I don't, I don't think it was the fame and then the drugs. I think it was the drugs and then just happened to look well, at fame. Yes, and, and when you're famous, you have media. When you're not, you can quietly do Just imagine shit. giving your stupid uncle, you know, who's always drunk at Thanksgiving, a microphone and a national platform, oh, yeah, yeah, and then all yeah. of a sudden you got the same deal. Well, I think it's yeah. fair to say that Jim Morrison was definitely enlightened. Yeah, no, and that's why I say I really do believe. I've, I've been in like these before, and you know where the hell I was either. So, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm sure. We've all Back in the day, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just I, I, it's hard for me to separate it out, and I've been thinking about this a lot because you're right. There are a lot of musicians and artists on here, and some of them have done phenomenal things, but still a lot of bankers and yeah, other things absolutely. who end up dying of drug overdoses and stuff like absolutely. that. Absolutely. So I also would tell you. I just the, wonder, but one second. I just wonder how meant, how much of it is, you know, people fall into drug addiction because they were self medicating, because they had real issues that maybe they had never had. The underlying issues. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably a, a that's a different discussion than just celebrities who mm-hmm. have those problems. There are tons of those people who have problems who die all the time. You know, it's just they don't die in a public fashion. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Well, I'll tell you, back back in the 70s, like I said, I was enlightened. We did acid. We did a lot of different things. Your your chemistry also depends upon how you're going to handle certain drugs. Because we had people that did the same thing I did, and I came out reasonably okay. And they and they did what we called the day burnout. Mm-hmm. And they did the stuff and never came back. I don't know, two or three people like that that never, ever, ever came back. So, you know, if you get to messing with some stuff, you should have been. They got all these synthetic drugs out here. I doubt all these people here had drugs, had their issue, but a bunch of them it was. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You look at it, and you know, how did it affect them? You know, I had, I had a cousin that, that ended up going out to California and did a bunch of drugs after came back and, quite frankly, lost it. And they yeah, some people just can't became psychotic it. and didn't really pay attention enough to it myself. And I was pretty tight to him. In fact, took him into my house. I got him off the street. But he actually walks into the FBI office here in downtown Kansas City, ranting and raving. Oh wow! And of course, got arrested. Yeah, but it got him help. And now he's making now little some bitches making more money than I. <laughs> I think, well, I was looking at the list, and I, I mean, like Drake and The Weeknd. I don't know a lot about their story. Like, I'm well, assuming I neither one of them are on drugs. Well, but. I know The Weeknd has had a very he, he he's he had to he had to get basically sober. Like he's not 100 percent sober, but he had to get basically sober. He said he would have to be drunk off his ass. 
to go out on stage at the beginning. And you know, I, that pride? doesn't really because that to me that sounds like he has like a real anxiety issue. Yeah, like yeah. that that which is an underlying. You know, you can't be in the spotlight. You can, but I would imagine that that. I mean, look at Elizabeth um, Argus. Mm-hmm. Isn't that her last name? I think I think it, out of all on, these I've looked on, at um, ABC. Oh yeah, Elizabeth she Vargas. Went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vargas. She she was drunk every night doing the news. Who's that? She's a news anchor Elizabeth, on ABC. Elizabeth Vargas. Yeah, she and was saying she, that she had, had to be drunk and to to do her because she has such anxiety issues. That yeah, she had to and be drunk she to would the, to just do the news. Yeah. yeah, she would dig her wedding ring into her hand to, to you know, but she public. You know, I mean it. Yeah, she just I, did. Obviously pulled it off, right? It, well, and she went into rehab because her she put her children in danger. And yeah, she, she said they she were on knew. vacation, and yeah, she said she woke up like a day later with her one of her children. Like, are you ever going to get out of bed? And freaked her well, out. Well, it wasn't just been, that, but yeah, I mean, it just you know you you hear about it from these people because they are celebrities. But I, I to at, Chris's point. There are a lot of people that this oh. happens to oh, every day. Yes, yeah, that, that aren't stuff. famous at all. Yeah. But I guess, I guess the re, I, the reason to focus on just on why are on, we obsessed on with stars it? is is because of you know all the reasons we don't focus on the regular people. It's like, mm-hmm. what are we getting from them when they're in such a state that we kind of just let it ride? It's the train wreck. It's, I look at this list here and I see Amy Winehouse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The classic train wreck. Yeah, I mean, super, this, this chick could sing like no tomorrow. Super brilliant. Super and she writes a song. They're going to send me to rehab. And I go, no, no, no. I mean, she was straight up <laughs> forward where I was. And she and yeah. it was almost, in a way, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she sang with Tony Bennett. She sang with all these people. She was just this crazy talent. Yeah, just an amazing talent. But, yeah, just she could not, she could not get herself. But that was a modern day train wreck. We were watching the train wreck happen. We all knew it was going to happen. Yeah. But we're still going to buy her music. We're still going to listen to her music. Oh, yeah. Until the train wreck happens. And then we're all going to feel bad. And I guess that's what that's what I got to thinking about. Like, like the first two names on the list um, are definitely aren't drug issues. But I thought about Drake um, because because he's so emo in his approach to making music, and 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 so much of his earlier work, especially, was kind of lamenting on broken relationships mm-hmm. and. Um, family and you know, romantic, but uh, and it was kind of like a heavily emotional thing. And I don't think he was really on drugs like that, but but it got me to thinking, like, you know, what is it about listening to people sing about their pain that is fascinating to all of us? You know, well, Kendrick Lamar, the second person. Good lyrics. Yeah, well, I also think it's pretty relatable, and it doesn't necessarily always matter the type of pain that it is. It's just really it's just pain. Just hurt is yeah. relatable just in general. Yeah, I know Kendrick Lamar on his last album, he he actually kind of openly talked about, you know, kind of, uh, you know, he's from, 
you know, from uh, Compton, California, and uh, he wasn't a gangbanger kid, but he's what you know what I would call gang affiliated. So he knows a he knows a ton of gangbangers, and and he knows a ton of kids his own age that didn't that aren't alive today, and and so he talked a lot about kind of survivor's guilt and, uh, and wanting to kill himself because he wasn't able to help friends or. Um, like even his baby sister who wound up uh you know wound up a teenage mom even though he had blown up and made so much money you know and 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 which then brought brought me to Kanye which you know like I say I really I I have always thought Kanye was kind he was flirting with genius but I always felt it was something maybe not right and especially after his mother passed away He's never seemed right after that. And, uh, you know, because that's, like, right not very long after his mother passed away was when the whole Taylor Swift thing happened, you know. and Well, it's also at the Grammys where I watched it as much. I'd never checked him out before. Mm -hmm. And he stood there in a circle in a hoodie, bent over, singing a song. And I just thought, this is, this is bizarre. Is, you know, this guy's not performing. A... He's... He's well, trying to be a performance artist. It's almost like watching, going down to the Kansas City Art Institute and watching some performers do he, something. But it's, it's not a. It's, but but that's a different thing. That's, but that's, that's him, drama. though. He went to an art institute. Yeah, yeah he, he actually, is a visual. Like if you if you seen. know yes, but Kanye has always been immersive in his yeah, like music. It, yeah, if you know, he like, gives you visual and. Sound and I like mean, his, it's his, all of it. His he, first his, scholarship yeah. was to uh, to uh, to an arts college for for visual arts because he's because <clears throat> like, he he really is yeah, like I think he's one of those people that his brain really does work. Oh, like he, it like never shuts off. Like an artist, yeah. But like, but on like, but an artist on a different level. Like, so he's a he's a like he used to win awards for his visual art. So he's like brilliant on that level. He's also brilliant as a producer. He's also brilliant as a songwriter. He's also brilliant well, and brilliant. Shoes like he's, and clothes yeah, that's and, what I'm saying. I mean, like, and really so is. it's like I think his brain just never shuts off. And uh, and then his mom died, who he has said on multiple occasions was the person he was closest to in the world. And I think he's just never been right since then. Yeah, and he, um, I mean, what is that saying? You know, there's a fine line between insane genius and insanity. insanity yeah. And I think he often I, tips the scale towards insane. Yeah, but but I'm never not going to buy a Kanye album. I, 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 I like think that's Kanye. the thing that trips me out. Like, <laughs> I like Kanye. <Kanye's laughs> like, I, I hear your pain, and it's so, you know, it's so. Uh, captivating that I I want to spend my nine ninety nine on that or on it and that's and I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that if I really analyze it. I I, I like him as an artist. I do sometimes when we've seen performances by him. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? You know, but yeah, as of as of late, know, he yeah. has become more of a performance artist but, on stage. But than I a don't pure than just a regular. The tour before this last one was one of the most visual. Yeah, and I missed it. I was so upset that we didn't get off to the lighting, just the the showpieces. It was incredible. 
incredible. Incredible. You but, know, and that's hard to duplicate. Yeah, the Yeezus mm-hmm. tour, yeah. But I often right? find myself conflicted on stupid shit that comes out of his mouth on day-to-day life. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, It's really hard to... Yeah, I, I think... But I feel that way about a lot of people. And I do, too. It's not because of just him, and it's not because he's famous, or it's not because of anything else. It's, no, no, no. It's in the, the hard part is you're, you're asking to take somebody as an entirety... Because of one thing, like am I enabling you or not? Well, everybody's compartmentalized and they have different facets of their personality. Mm-hmm. So he has a side that I like, which is his music. artistry and his music, and I love it, and I think it's incredible. And I would say he's a genius when it comes to a lot of the stuff that he does. Yeah. Then he has another side of his personality that really is obnoxious and I can't stand. And <laughs> so, it drives me nuts. But the question is, like, listen, it's it would be different to me. And we're, we're like, I don't feel like this is an enabling situation. He's putting out art, and I just happen to really like his art. You yes. know? I'll, and I'll, I'll give you a, a good example of someday I do ball into one thing. Mm-hmm. It would be like Woody Allen. Ever mm. since, you know, and I truly believe the dude's a pedophile. That's disgusting what he did. And yes. I will not support him in any way, shape, or form. Won't see any, even though he any movie. Yeah, movies I'm, and you know what? I, I actually do the same thing. That's repulsive to me. Yeah. But the fact that Kanye has a mental disorder, potentially, you know, well, okay. But, but he not, he's not, records. yeah. He, his problem is he opens his mouth and talks. He's not violent towards people. He's not, you know, I mean, he, he truly, I don't think he feel he's not doing it from malice. I think I had just I think, hit the, the thing that is a key for me. And maybe this is where we're both going to the same degree. Yeah. It's, it's different if somebody's self-destructive than if they're destroying somebody else. Right. I think, and maybe okay. that's where the line okay. is drawn I, from it. Yeah. I, think, I think we've hit on something. So, let's, uh, let's take a uh, step uh, let's start taking steps back into time. Um, and so I'm going to take you back, and then we're going to come forward a little bit. Okay. Uh, so What do you think, Dan? Does it bother you if somebody's like uh, hurting somebody else or Like, is it, like versus being self-destructive? Because I think being self-destructive, at some point, you have the option to change yourself and you're responsible. It's a choice. Yeah, 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 true. Versus true. if you're taking advantage of somebody else and really, like a Woody Allen or somebody else. like Right, that, right, right. Michael yeah, Jackson to a degree. Like, I can't. And I, I know this is a source of I can't. Stand, I know, but we have I, had we have had discussion. I can't respect him as an artist. He should be in jail. Should have been. No, he should be in jail. But as far as self-destructive goes, being a person who was self-destructive at one time, you can rise up from self-destruction and become positive and and, and go that right direction. It's true. Very true. Very true. But it, but if you're self-serving, I mean, I kind of like maybe you sold your soul. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, I hear so many people say, you know, like, you know, like, Kanye's an egomaniac, and I, like, I listen to his rants, and some, even the stuff that, that gets on my nerves, and I actually don't hear any of it as self-serving. I, like, it sounds like anybody who's willing to stand up and be like, look, I'm a fucking genius, like, it sounds self-serving, but if, if the numbers add up, at a certain point, when do we when do we go? You know that dude is a genius, and and when do you have the right to say about yourself? Well, I think one of the things that you, uh, I, I would make the argument on is 
being a brilliant artist does not make you a political genius, and you're not no. a genius universally. No, you you're have an exceptional gift at one thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You're so congratulations you're, on being a great artist. You're creative. You work, you work with these problems. type of people too. You, I mean, yeah. in, you, in your industry, you work with those people more than anybody I know. You're going to get all types of people come in. Some are going to be prima donnas. Some are just going to be. I'm an actor or an actress, and I'm a hard worker. I'm here. Let's make this happen. Let's get it done. Sure. Yeah. You know, those are the people. Yeah. Oh, right. I got somebody here I'll work with. And then, then you got. Well, you know, this isn't right over here, and, and I don't like the lighting, and I don't think you're showing me in a good light here. Yeah. And you got to be going. I don't want to show you in any light right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're starting to piss me off. Right you know, it was but you got to deal with them because they're the person put in place to do what you're going to do with your video. Yeah, we had the conversation the other day, one of my partners and I, about if the business is still fun. Because when you're, you always think there's something else. If you hit that one thing, then everything's going to be really cool. Right, right. Like I assume, like the dude who's doing Dr Pepper commercials really wants to do a Coke commercial. Yeah, right, right, right. Because that's right. international, awesome, and cool. Yeah. It's good. So it'd be kind of a pillar in our industry, kind of a thing. And like you know, we were doing local car ads eight years ago, and now we're lucky enough to do work for some big international corporations. And you think, ah, everything's gonna be great if you hit this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just less fun. It's I, just gotten less fun. I I, I got to bring up something about the Dr Pepper commercial. The one where they're driving through Arkansas. Along the bumpy roads, they brought back a horror. The the horror, the absolute horror of going to the MU Arkansas State game in Jonesboro, Arkansas, in a county that's dry for fifty miles either way. <laughs> stayed in the worst hotel I ever stayed in in my life. Well, almost. There's a couple in Texas that were. I couldn't even get drinks to where my buddy and I are sitting there eating Oreos and drinking water at 11 o'clock at night, watching reruns of the MU game that they barely won. Couldn't wait to get out of that place fast enough. <laughs> but it, 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 that RV was driving along, and I, I said, I've been on that freaking road since the middle of this flat-ass nowhere land down there. And Anyway, I, I, I digress. It, you, you brought up a bad memory that I had to bring up. <clears throat> okay. Now, I also have another one as we go back. I want to bring up Rick James. Sorry, I didn't. No, quite all right, quite all right. Because we were, we're starting to go where you, I was You want to go back? Yeah. Rick James. Yeah, absolutely. Who really was a hoot. I, know I mean, he had I love problems. Rick James' music. I know he had problems, but it, the memory <laughs> I have of this, I'm working in the oil field, and, and, and I had a guy I went to work with named Herbert Bear. Herbert Bear was a brother of phenomenal. And Herbert and I... We're either partying our asses off, had a great time, or we were damn near duking it out all the time. We had that nice little baby relationship going. But I remember when Super Freak came out. And, and Herbert was on Super Freak like no tomorrow. And we're in McAllen, Texas, out in the middle of the damn desert somewhere. And we are sitting there up there running pipe, just jamming it. I mean, we're just cruising, singing Super Freak the whole damn time we were up there. <laughs> <laughs> So if Herbert Hebert's out there and you have me listen, here's to you, brother. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's he's he is definitely a, uh, you know, we we watched him, you know, and 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 when I think I think when he, you know, finally was clean and and actually had kind of gotten. 
famous again through the Chappelle Show skits. Uh, uh, you know, then he passed away. You know? He kind of became a cult hero. Oh, yeah, you know. Very so, much so. You know, if I say... Uh, I, I, he always made me laugh. Rick James made me laugh. His yeah. videos made me laugh. Because he would get some skanky old whores out there dancing around with him. <laughs> wearing some shitty-ass spandex on him. And then, the only good thing is they didn't have cottage cheese show, but it was close. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, but I'd say the, the, you know, from Chappelle's show, the, the famous line, you know, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> like, it just got me to thinking, you know, like, when he was, you know, when he was on top of the music world, you know, he was coked out of his mind, <laughs> you know. Like, it's family. I really do believe it is actually true. I don't know if it's true, but I believe it's true. Uh, you know, they say him and his girl uh, was, you know, like kidnapping girls and sex slaving them and, and oh, crazy man. shit when 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 he was at the height of his musical, you know, thing. He was a serious yeah, coach. Yeah, I, no, I, well, nobody ever pressed any charges against him, but, yeah, but I... Well, how would you? But that's one of those things that I, I heard. That was actually he, he, he was a serious cokehead, is what he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Being a former cokehead, I, I don't know where he's at. Well, it, it's funny, like Dave Chappelle would be known, and the fact that you even brought him up. Mm-hmm. That's another guy who clearly had some mental issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I'm looking yeah. through your list, and it's funny, I have such a weird dividing line on the list. Like, mm-hmm. anyone else, Jimmy Anders, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, none of those really bother me. But you start to hit, like, Elvis or Kurt Cobain or Whitney Houston, I'm like these are people with kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those deaths bothered me, which is actually another reason I included them on the list. Yeah, Whitney Houston probably bothered me more than anything else. Yeah, because she hooked up with Bobby Brown. Now, now let me before you before you go into it, let me jump Mm -hmm. in here because I think because I think the popular we've had this conversation. Yeah, we've had I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I think the popular notion. Is that um, she got with Bobby Brown and that destroyed her? So what what we've learned over the years is they really kind of destroyed each other because well, I agree with that. Because he, you know, where I was like he was a weed head, and actually we didn't know it because uh, she was America's sweetheart at the time. But she was actually already a cokehead. Oh, she had such a great media. Oh yeah, yeah. Like she was media trained like nobody's business. But she was she was seriously a cokehead, and so you put the weed head together with the cokehead, and and they went off the rails hard. <laughs> and uh, and I don't know what kind of drugs they was using. It just, it but by just, the time they did the reality so show. To watch her with with Bobby Brown was always kind of a bad boy anyway. You yeah, had that bad boy image, you know. And so you you kind of expected Bobby Brown to be what Bobby Brown was. And I never saw you know. For me, you know, I'm Bobby Brown, and I got Whitney as my girl. Oh my God! There ain't no way I'm cheating on nothing with that. No. Oh, you hit the jackpot! Like, yeah, you, you know, know there ain't no way. Uh, we have this conversation. That, 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 it don't get it don't get no sweeter than that. Well, I mean, and, for, if you're Bobby maybe, Brown, yeah, you don't know, you yeah. don't know. Wait, uh, listen, they, listen, they, listen, let me tell you, I got I got one eye that looks real good. It don't get no sweeter than that. It's, it's uh, never really a matter of if they're. Now I'm no married man that ain't cheated on my wife, so <laughs> you know, say say what it is, but. 
I've heard a million people be described as uh, that girl so good looking I would never cheat on. That's not why people cheat generally. No. Okay. No. Look at Halle Berry. Yeah. Yeah, she can't keep up. Well, uh, she's, she's got, got no big old swing And she's been flirted with this marriage ending, you know, and, and this has probably been the longest one. There's only, there's a fine line in time where really good looking meets up with a really crazy and you just got to pick your battle. <laughs> well, now they go crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a different situation. Yeah, 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 so yeah, <laughs> so, what is, so what is the uh, the uh, the hot to crazy spectrum? Oh, I'm like, yeah. so yeah, if you're nine hot and a nine crazy, oh, okay. <laughs> like we yeah. don't, right. we can't stay with you. I don't see that left eye look that's burning down my house anytime. I see. I, I, <laughs> I don't care how much the sweetness good. is, sweetness ain't no good when it goes crazy. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. No, that ain't no good. No. But that was a little bit how Whitney was, though, when you, when you hear... Yeah, like once you saw her talking... After the drugs that really got her, she was crazy. She, you, you could tell. Like Whitney was crazy. So like, I was like, wow. She, how young was she when she first really was coming up through the ranks and started hitting that big? Well, she started modeling as a teenager. <clears throat> so yeah, that was by the time she point. actually child thing. She was mid twenties, going toward when she made it really twenties. Mm-hmm. But before that, she had been yeah. one trying to get through the ranks. Yeah, so yeah, you, she was, at some point, you had the you had parents involved. I mean, think of how many. Kids, you know, are well, out there with these parents. I mean, was, was an aunt or, or yeah, a job? Yeah. 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 Then you got like, or Drew Barrymore, who was mm-hmm. on. Not only was she on drugs at, at twelve and thirteen, yeah. her parents were giving her drugs, giving her drugs at twelve and yeah. thirteen, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is why she. Um, oh, what do they call that? Divorced her. She became emancipated. Emancipated. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's still an American tragedy. It is. That, to me, that's an American tragedy because this woman had it had it all. She had. She was beautiful. She could sing. sing. It yeah, was, it was tragic to me up until she had kids and all that kind of stuff. And then, like, listen, at some point, you got to get your shit together. And that's that's why I don't feel. I agree with that. I, I was kind of like that too. I got disappointed in her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got I get disappointed in her. That's kind of what you're saying, sure. right? Yeah, and the Kurt Cobain. You know, it's kind of like you're pissing it away. Same thing with Kurt Cobain. You pissed it away. Well, yes, and he was married to a crazy woman too. So. Yeah, I'd like to party. I'd like to party one time with Courtney Love, though. I think crazy attracts crazy sometimes. And, uh, oh yeah. yeah. I think that I think That'd everyone has a little bit of crazy in them, and some people's crazy amplifies. is a combustible combination. Yeah, when you get them it amplifies and combusts your crazy. Yeah, I, I lived with a Cajun <laughs> Queenie down in New Orleans. I understand that very well. She was her crazy and my crazy was was kind of fun at first, and then it got bad. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's always fun at first, and then it goes. Then well, it goes I think south. at first you're Too like, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, oh. shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kurt, I remember I lived in Seattle like right after. You lived in Seattle? Three years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, three years. Then I lived in Seattle right after everything happened with Kurt. And um, no, no, I take that back. Right after uh, Nirvana blew up. And I left right before he killed himself. So, and, and that was that, that was a very trippy time because so many people in Seattle remembered Nirvana as a local know, band. as a local band sure. on a local label and sleeping in their cars and and uh, you know famously uh, well, the Seattle. day Nevermind came out. 
you know, Nirvana's first big commercial success. Well, what was the uh, atmosphere? He was sleeping in the car. What was the atmosphere in Seattle? Because that had that that was a fashion trend number one. Oh yeah. Well, that's when grunge come on. Well, and, well, and, 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 and then it was also a cultural thing, the oh, yeah. lifestyle. Yes, it was. Seattle's an interesting town, and anybody out there in podcast land from Seattle, what up? Uh, Seattle's so interesting because. You know, it rains 80% of the year, and its suicide rate is off the charts because it rains 80% of the year. But it also birthed, uh, you know, Seattle's Best Coffee, Starbucks, uh, I want to say yeah, Caribou, I think Caribou, I think Caribou, uh, Caribou Coffee, because they needed them caffeine boosts. I, I, you know, God rest her soul, I dated a girl that lived out there that, I swear to God, she could wake up in the morning, drink some coffee get to school, have a quad shot uh, mocha or latte. Four hours later, after that kind of bank of classes was over, she'd have another quad shot mocha or latte or whatever. And then she could actually drink coffee before she went to bed (laughs) because it was just that kind of dreary, just the atmosphere. Yeah, Um, but, you know, dreary leads to sex. Well, it led to coffee. If, if, you can't get, if you can't get outside, you know, it's going to lead to, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But see, I think the thing is, I think most cities, dreary leads to sex because dreary will end in a month or two. It doesn't end in a month or two. It's eight months a year. So you have it's, a lot of sex. <laughs> yeah, but I think a lot of people just, they start, they start, they either drink a massive amount of coffee or they start taking drugs or something because it it can be depressing. I, I had a friend and, of mine uh, in Maine that was a lobster fisherman and a scallop and all those things, drug for clams, didn't make no money, and they always had a wonderful saying: "In the summer, we fish and fuck, and in the winter, we don't fish." <laughs> <laughs> a little crude, but you know you get the point. Mm-hmm. I, I would be very interested. Because I think there's probably a severe lack of vitamin D in a lot of people up there. Oh, absolutely. Because of that. Absolutely. I would be very interested in a scientific study of what the effect of that would be up there. Yeah, I mean, I remember they always... They call it seasonal... The psychology of it. Oh, yeah. They always... Generally down to a lack of vitamin D. Oh, yeah. They always Mm -hmm. used to call uh, in the summer... In the summer, you know, they used to call... uh, They used to call it summer sickness because really nobody was ever sick... But everybody called off all summer. Because you knew this is all of a sudden basically you were going to get for months. That's what I was going to ask you. In the summertime, it's a beautiful place. Oh, it's gorgeous. So it's it's sunny most of the time. They have a dry season and a wet season. But the wet season is is long. incredibly long. long. It's incredibly long. But the dry season is is incredibly beautiful. I've never been up there, but I've heard many people describe me as kind of like that. I've been to New Hampshire. Yeah, that it's kind of like New Hampshire because you got the mountains and the conifers. Oh yeah, yeah. And you got the ocean, you got the water and the lakes and everything there. So it's very similar in territory and latitude, even to. Yeah. Well, you know, I would say, um, in terms of Seattle, anyway. Um, have you ever met anybody from Seattle? Generally, you don't. I have a cousin living out there now that yeah. married a girl from Seattle. Yeah, but generally, yeah, he's, he's people like, from Seattle generally never leave. 
Like, it's like yeah. the, the well, Pacific Northwest, they love that place, and they almost yeah. never leave. Well, in New Hampshire and New England's very much yeah, the same. Yeah, very similar. I can't, it's, it's very difficult to get my friends from New England to come out here and visit us. Mm-hmm. It's come back here and visit us. You know, yeah, now, my, I mean, my, my brother-in-law's been out here one time. My sister-in-law's yeah. been out here one freaking time, mm-hmm. 25 years. They don't come. No? I know it's because I piss them off all the time, but you know... <laughs> It could be because they don't like the snow. It could be. Well, I'm sure they don't come in the winter, but you know, the problem is you're not used to, well, I don't know how humid it gets in New Hampshire, but. And they don't yeah, like And it they doesn't like get really humid in Well, in we never had air conditioners in our houses. Yeah. Well, they sh- don't have any humidity you, you, on the You put a no. window unit in your master bedroom for the maybe nine, ten times a year you would use it. Mm. Our, our cars didn't have air conditioning. Mm-hmm. They probably do now, but back in the day, they didn't have air conditioning. Yeah, you yeah. didn't freaking need it. If you didn't need it, you didn't need it. And the interesting thing was, the one of the real true interesting things was, especially in New Hampshire, is that when you get that 90, 95 degree day, you go to the beach. And as you get to the beach, you hit Route 1, and there's a salt marsh between the beach and, and Route 1A that is about a mile long. Mm-hmm. And you can be 95 on 1A, you get to the beach, and it's 75. Because the water's so cold. Oh, okay. And you can't move on that. You can't move on those days because everybody goes to the beach. Hmm. It's, it's a very strange phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, though, that let's say the, the, two similar, the two areas are fairly similar, like you're saying, that Seattle was able to have this culture develop within there that what? really yeah. fostered... Yeah, foster creativity. Yeah. Became known as the Seattle scene and did yeah. all these kinds of things. Yeah. Whereas there's not really a New mm-hmm. Hampshire scene or anywhere. Boston yeah. maybe. Yeah, place, but that's no, just not because even it's Boston. Because we get out in the winter, we we go skiing, we go snowmobiling, sure. we go snowshoeing and cross country skiing. In, in the winter in New England, you're, you're out. Yeah, well, and you the, and the thing with the thing Pacific Northwest is it, it, it's never that cold. Yeah. You have so to go it, to the mountains to get yeah, snow. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, it might snow three times, so and it's gonna know, melt. We're like Minnesota that way because the Minnesotans they don't stay inside either. They, they're out there. come winter time, it's and we ice fish just like they did. Sure, you know, you get out, you get out of your damn house because if you don't, you're gonna go stupid. It is, it is weird how certain. Communities are able to foster getting yeah. back, getting back to some of this uh, an artistic kind of community. Like even Minneapolis has been successful, oh, yeah. very yeah. successful with that. They had a a lot of artists and a lot of famous bands and, and performers come out of Minneapolis. Yeah. And Boston certainly has too. And they party that. during the winter. Well, I'm sure I'm sure they yeah, do. You go to the bar, you listen to your bands too. We used to do that. Yeah, it, but it's just interesting that in Seattle, you know, that was another place where it just kind of yeah. latched on. Yeah, mm-hmm. you wonder how much of it is. Huh. Yeah, thinking about what well, you know. Yeah, thinking about you know, you know, yeah, like Jay Giles Band. Yeah, they I mean, had Nirvana. There's a total difference there because this is a similar earlier time period. But Jay Giles was a party man. I mean, you go listen to Jay Giles at a bar, you're going to party. I mean, that's hardcore. Get after a party. Yeah, where, sure. Where sure Nirvana probably brought out the same thing, but it was still this grunge movement that you know. Led into Pearl Jam and 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 uh, yeah, I mean Soundgarden, Black Hole Sun, uh, who's, yeah. who's the Soundgarden, Sun, and, and, yeah, and all these yeah. were. I mean, it was awesome music. You can't deny it wasn't awesome music, but it was just this. You know? Yeah, yeah. I just I, I just remember thinking 
First of all, I was a huge Nirvana fan, but I just remember thinking that the Seattle sound actually, actually was depressing. <laughs> like, sure. you know, and I was, and, and which, once again, brings me back to the, the topic. It was just, like, why are we drawn to depressed acts? Hey, what's going on, podcasters? Let's acknowledge the good friends of the Law Party Podcast. The majestic restaurant and Pendergast Club carrying on Kansas City's tradition of great food and great jazz, 931 Broadway in Kansas City, Missouri. The J. Rieger Kansas City Distillery. Whiskey, gin, vodka. That is oh so good. And friend of the podcast and panelist, Lane Bolin. Managing to keep the podcast going. Apparently wealthy or not. Now onto our regularly scheduled program. It's just interesting. Like going going back in time, you know, makes me think about the the acts that they really couldn't do depressing music at the time, but they were depressed. You know, which which is why I added a uh, uh, Frankie Lyman sure. to the list. You know, you know, you know, when he got on stage, you know, he was a dynamo. He just. You know, I mean, sing, dance, you just everything. But unfortunately, I don't remember him very well. Yeah, I know he's a group called the teenagers. Why, yeah, why do fools fall in love? Yeah, why do birds sing so gay? You know, all that. But it's, you know, like he famously had uh, when he died. Uh, you know, they it was discovered that you know he still was married to all three of his wives <laughs> because. Because they were like, you know, trying to figure out how to split up the royalties for why the fools fall in love, and uh, and so they had to figure out which marriage was actually valid, and and uh, and of course one was, you know, she was just kind of a sexy girl from around the way that he fell in love with, and they had a really volatile relationship. He was really bad off on drugs. And she was willing to do literally almost anything to, you know, keep him, you know, out of jail and out of the grave, including hooking if she needed to. Um, And then you had, oh, I forget what group she was in, but she was in another famous group in the at the time. She was one of the lead singers of one of of one of those groups, and uh, and I think he. He fell in love with her because she was so glamorous and famous, and she fell in love with his kind of brilliance. and And then, and then when he was trying to clean himself up, he he met a little school teacher from Georgia, and and he was he the one that was little. Yeah, he was like, short, and he looked like a kid. Like even though I, kinda, I was like, I, how I, is he attracting these women? Yeah, I think I kind of remember who he is now. Yeah, and. Uh, and it turns out that, you know, the only actual valid marriage was the school teacher from Georgia, you know, because, you know, and it was one of those things where he thought he had left it behind and then he was seeing that they were doing some kind of old school show, you know, and, and it got a misty, which got him thinking, okay, I need to go and try to get back on stage. And of course, as soon as he got back in, into New York, where he was from, got right back on drugs and and uh, and never wind up coming back home, and, and so but it but it got me to thinking, 
you know, like I said, just what it is, what is it about that personality that drives them to make the kind of music that we just we all love or, or act or mm-hmm. whatever it is. I'll throw, I'll throw another one at you that you don't have on the list from that same generation, mm-hmm. Mama Cass, Mama and Papas. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she definitely would qualify in that arena. You know, mm-hmm. here's your big old chunky gal could sing like an angel, and, and and the interesting thing about how she got on with the Mama and Papas is that she actually was in the Caribbean at the same time they were, knew who they were, and, mm. and literally followed them around until they, they gave her an inter- interview <laughs> and was able to audition. I interviewed not the right word, audition, and found out she could really sing, and their, their harmonies gelled quite interesting. But, you know, Mama Cass lived a tough life. She was a big girl, and... And, Isn't uh, she the one that died eating a sandwich? I, or something? I, I, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, she died from natural causes. I, no, I heard she died. She was completely jacked up and choked to death on a sandwich. That's right. That's yeah. right. She choked, yeah. Which, yeah. That's right. And that's was the whole irony behind it. The fat girl, yeah, choking on a sandwich, but she was drugged up. Oh, big time. Oh yeah, they all were. Which kind of brings me to the next era, and actually, kind of all three of these people can be talked about from the. From the same era, one person, of course, spanned in both eras, but uh, uh, Elvis, Elvis, Jimmy, and Janice. Uh, so Elvis Presley, uh, Jimi Hendrix, and Janis Joplin. Um, you know, Elvis. You know, I think to your earlier point, you know, is one of those people that maybe he didn't start off doing drugs or drinking a lot or whatever, but um, I think the more he... Uh, he was a self-medicator. Yeah. And I think Doctors the more, gave him pills. Yeah, I think the more he got into a world where there was there was no nose, it, it, you know, that's when his situation seemingly became worse. You know, know you're, you know, you're the biggest sex symbol in music at the time. You got more money than you can shake a stick at. And, uh, he was also he, he was from doing a drugs from the start. Sorry, good. Yeah. Well, and he was also from a time where it was just okay for men to be that way. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's not forget where he, where he came from too. He came from some very, very, very poor beginnings in Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and 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 so he was not an educated man. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he his roots are what their roots was, and when you're raised like that, your roots stick with you. Which made him what he was in a lot of ways. You know, he, that, that gave him some of the soul that he had. That gave him some of that rock and roll. That gave him some of that, that stuff. Because, you know, he run around with brothers and sisters and you know, the, the black folks and had their music in him and all this stuff. You know, Elvis, Elvis was a very interesting soul in that way. And then, of course, Hollywood got old of him as they would back in those days. And that, I, I can remember... Well, I think it was 1969. He had this comeback concert. Yeah, the 71. And he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he wore black black leather. Yeah, that was. His, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I can Hawaii, remember, I can remember as a kid sitting there watching this. I watched this show on TV. Mm-hmm. I'm old enough that I would have caught that, and that was like a big deal. The whole family sat down to watch Elvis, mm-hmm. and I mean, he put on a hell of a show that night. It was yeah. really, really good. If you ever Google that up and watch that show. The man is on. Well, yeah, it's an album now and everything else. So, again, Aloha from Hawaii. It's a great, great album and a great show. Mm-hmm. But he was doing drugs 
back in the 50s. And again, mm. you got to remember the kind of life that they had when they were up and coming. These yeah. record labels would put them all together. Mm. These artists would go on tour as a record label going around. In fact, it, you can just watch uh, Walk the Line. And Elvis is in that, actually. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Johnny Cash when they were both yeah. up in commerce, and they weren't... This isn't a, a thing where he got famous, all of a sudden turned to drugs, and somebody got a hold of him and took advantage of him. Yeah. They were doing so much freaking speed just <laughs> to be able to make it to the next town. Yeah, because they you literally, know, cause they were night after night every after night. Every single night, yeah. and you get on a shit-ass bus... Drive to the next crap old town and play a state fair that day. Get back on the bus, you know, and go. Yeah, and go and it must have just been exhausting. Oh, yeah, they were doing well, whites back in those days. A, yeah, yeah, they were doing whites because we did whites back then too. I mean, there's so a gateway into every every person's drug addiction, you know, or or alcohol for that matter. But sure. you know, there's something that you start with and then it just doesn't. Be, it's not enough anymore. Yeah, you're not. And you move to the next thing and then well, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I relate not to that. Normal. No. I relate to that because that was me. Yeah. That was 100% me. Uh, because I had no fear. Yeah, so I think it might be. The next know, thing goes on to the next thing goes on to yeah. the next thing. Yeah. It's like you might start off with somebody just handing you, a, you know, Ray Charles. You know, you might start off with somebody, you know, saying, oh, you know, smoke this, you know, it'll settle your nerves. And, and you know, years later, you know, you're shooting up to settle your nerves. You know, Ray Charles was on that list too in a lot of ways too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's one of the rare exceptions that got himself clean and and uh, and all of that. Was able to sing and make a lot of songs and some of the stuff that that haunted him. Oh, exactly. Which you know know, ties right back in. You know, being able to you know sing away the pain. You know, it's it's you know it's kind of a. You know, it's kind of amazing to me that capacity, you know, to... One of my favorite artists. Man, you hear the man singing, you can almost bring a tear to your eyes at time. Mm-hmm. You really can. Yeah, that guy was... I mean, he sings America. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he just, was... Just thinking about it, almost he, making... It just... Wow. You know, you know it's, it's actually funny because just about everybody we've talked about, you know, good or bad, that were uh, genre-defining or genre-redefining <laughs> artists. I mean, they really, you know, when I think about, you know, just going down the list, you know, you've got, you know, Drake, who has been a, Drake and Kendrick, you know, who who have been genre-redefining for hip-hop, and Kanye, who was probably the genre-redefining artist before them, and uh, the weekend, who is really kind of genre redefining for R and B currently, and Amy Winehouse, who was genre redefining for kind of soul music, and you know, at the time, Frankie Lyman for soul music, and you know, and uh, you know, Jim Morrison for rock and roll, and Elvis Presley, you know, when uh, when rock was kind of really solidifying itself from blues, and Kurt Cobain for for rock and you know that grunge movement it's you know it's kind of interesting not just the fact that they you know were good singers or good you know but like really you know what they did for their genres helped to define the genres for you know a decade or two to come and uh but it makes me want and you know Ray Charles you know like really you know before Ray Charles, nobody had done in biz- in the business of music 
what Ray Charles was able to accomplish, you know, owning his own masters and really defining, you know, most artists before Ray Charles sang the standards of the day. Most of them. I, I have an interesting Janet story. Yeah, give me one second. Yeah, yeah, I think most artists sang the standards of the day. They were definitely exceptions, but it, but especially in R and B and in in a certain type of pop, it was really just whatever the standards were for the day, and everybody kind of sang those in their in their way. And then Ray really redefined the genre by creating a sound for Ray Charles that oh, yeah. nobody else could really duplicate. No. You know, the 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 combination of 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 R and B kind of that stomp down blues and gospel was, you know, that was at the time, uh, you know, that was blasphemous. You know, like like are you what? You're like, you can't sing this. You know, and you know, I you know, I remember when um uh, you know, bringing it forward. I remember when Kanye did uh, uh, Love Lockdown uh, uh-huh. at the end of the awards um, that year. And I remember, you know, saying to the anonymous female, oh, it's not going to be the same after this. Like, he's, he's done something. Like, I could hear it. It was something so different. Everybody's going to do that. Or try. And then, well, that's and, when everybody started singing in their records. Yeah. <laughs> then, then when Drake came out, he really perfected what Kanye started on that album, and everybody tried to copy him. You know, with, without the kind of psychological issues, when Jay Z came out, everybody tried to sound like Jay Z. You know, it's just a certain. You know whether whether they're you know kind of emotionally flawed individuals or not. It's, it's something so interesting about the artists that you know carry that level of brilliance. You know that you know they they really can make you really rethink what you thought about a genre. You know, Jimi Hendrix, which is kind of the next person, and Jimmy and Janice, the next people on the list. You know, before before them. People were definitely doing rock and roll, but nobody sounded like Jimmy, and nobody sounded like, like Janice, you know, before them, you know. And but after them, <laughs> you know, you had a dozen copy bands, a copy singer. And I would say I think there were a lot of people doing it. What generally happens, and it's easy to pick this list because they're the ones that we remember the most. You know? Yeah. Uh, what's hard to remember is the ones and I, and I think if you look at almost all of these it's almost impossible to separate the time and place from what was going on before them so what happens is you get something that's popular here which actually causes an absolute overreaction on the other side so take Nirvana as a classic example yeah. I think this is one of the most defined things in the world and it's so easy to see up until Nirvana came out, it was hair bands that were doing metal, just kind of garbage pop stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And right. it started this massive overreaction on another side. On another side. Ultra grungy, super heavy, you know, kind of stuff that was going on in Seattle. Super simple, super simplified yet, chords. They yeah. were the one who were able to bridge the gap between the two. Mm-hmm. So you could have been a poison band and all of a sudden you appreciate the 
the melody of Nirvana songs, exactly. but yet you know the grunge is, is still there too. Yeah, they just burst a gap, and yeah, they, almost all of these. And I think you're right. I think you're right. You they, know, they, they were they, able to find. But the what, what about that? A lot of groups couldn't. What about Mudhoney or what about yeah. any of the other bands? You're absolutely right. None of, none of them made it that big because they were the overreaction. Mm-hmm. And then you had Nirvana come in and split the difference, split the and difference. all of a sudden they're the ones who you know were, we remember. One of the things about Jimi Hendrix, he came up under the Isley Brothers. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's where he learned how to play that guitar a little bit from the Osley Brothers. Absolutely. My Janice story is this: mm-hmm. when, I, when, I, when I when I got run out of my hometown, I ended up in southeast uh, southeast Texas, and I went to work at a steel fabrication plant. And there was a couple of guys who worked there. A lot of were bikers, and we all lived in trailers down this little redneck town called Lumberton, Texas. And we got to talking. I was over at his house one day. And of course, we were smoking dope. And he says, I took Janis Joplin to the junior prom. And I can't remember his name for some reason, but he, he was not a handsome man at all. Of course, Janis wasn't a good-looking woman in, in a lot of cases. <laughs> and I said, yeah, right. And I'll be damned if this guy didn't pull out a picture of him in some blue tux and Janis in a pink long dress <laughs> standing together at, 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 at a prom. That's he, funny. He, he had taken Janis Joplin to prom <laughs> in his junior year in high school. That's awesome. <laughs> in Port Arthur, Texas. <laughs> That's not, not a bad deal. And, and I'm sitting there going, and, and you know, these guys had uh, Easy Rider group, uh, the, the, long, the posters that, that man used to do all the mm-hmm. time. And, and they had them, these posters posted all over their trailer. I mean, they were into Easy Rider, they were into pot, and they were into all kinds of drugs, stuff we used to do. And, and, and for me to look at this guy, and he just hooted and hollered, mm. and thought it was the best thing that ever happened in his life, and it probably was. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget that as long as I live. Yeah. So I think the last person, at least on this list, that we haven't talked about with any uh, any length is probably Jimmy. And uh, you know, I think I think Jimmy. Is probably most classically what you were saying, Chris. Just I think he was he was on drugs. <laughs> like he was he was on them. Sure, and, he was on planet of his own. Oh yeah, and, very much so. And you know what he was able to create from Planet Jimmy was some other shit altogether. And uh, but I still remember my, my personal favorite thing I've ever heard from Jimmy was uh, and, you know, it must have been either before or after a session. And somebody caught him. Uh, he was still sitting in a booth, and uh, he picked up an acoustic guitar, and uh, and he sang. He just sang straight a blues record, and uh, and, uh, and and murdered it. And like I just was like, wow! Like just flat killed it. I was just like, oh my god, like his voice. And then, he, then at at the end when he finished, you know, it was like. You didn't think you can do that, huh? You didn't think I can do that. <laughs> and, I just, and, uh, and I just remember thinking, for all the brilliance, for all you know, and all the innovation, and uh, for all the drugs, and in some of these people's cases, all of the crazy. Um, at core, you know, they were brilliant musicians. Do you think they would have been as brilliant without the drugs? Um. Absolutely, that, that, you without the drugs. That, I don't know. That makes yeah, me yeah, yeah. that some in know. some cases, not every case, but in some cases, it does make me wonder. Like, would they have been uh, 
just a really good musician, or would they have been this kind of brilliant right. mm-hmm. without the drugs? I don't know. Could they have left the legacy without the drugs? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Could they I, I have left know. the I, legacy I, I, without the drugs? And that's. I, I, I think they got it in them. Regardless, I think that the drugs certainly brought out some angst. Yeah. In them. Or, Absolutely. Or, or some I, I think blues I, in them. I think it. It tamped it down, which so allowed them to be more uninhibited. I, that, that's kind of how I feel, too. Yeah. Is that a lot of people are inhibited and don't know how to tap into it, and then all of a sudden you start getting into it's whatever It's the same with drug people that go to parties and, and they're out. uncomfortable and they have a drink or two, and then all of a sudden they, they can talk to people. That would be me. Well, when I was on drugs, I, I used to try that to would sing. be me. I used to try to sing too, and they didn't uh, like my uh, innovation, so I figured that wasn't my wasn't my gig. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, originally, uh, out there in podcast land, I guess I have provided all of this uh, kind of material that I'm actually probably not going to go. Uh, through because we've actually had a pretty lively conversation about uh, about all of this but um, so I'm just going to give you some titles I want you to google it when you get an opportunity uh, one is 58 songs about addiction dependency getting sober and recovery uh, the others are uh, Kanye is reportedly back home after checking out of the hospital um Top 80 songs about depression and what inspired them. A list of pop musicians who died of drug overdose. Uh, 15 best songs about drugs. And with that, um, I think, you know, I think we could keep talking, but I think we're going to wrap up uh, today's show. And of course, I'm going to wrap it up with the toast that um, started all of this for me. And I want to thank everybody, of course, for tuning in to the Law Party Podcast. And with that, to good times with good people.